about boy sex fucking dating and love when um I thought you were gonna say love with me i wasn't going to and didn't yeah i noticed that about you um <laughs> you know i don't understand i don't understand about poetry is like whenever for some reason that that us that introduction reminded me of poetry because it felt like yeah. um just saying randomly parts of a sentence on different lines but that yeah. felt like turn on original sound recording that's me like reading the zoom thing in poetry voice do you have to do um a certain amount of syllables like is that what poetry is all about or you just <laughs> truly go off and do whatever you feel like you literally do whatever you feel like and then some people agree that it's like academic and some people agree that it's bad and then no one really knows yeah 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 but i think you know the romantics good, thought that I'm... you know the romantics like wordsworth actually thought that poetry was a spontaneous overflow of emotion well that's how i feel about my poetry i'm very okay. wordsworth you're you're being extremely wordsworth towards me on our podcast yeah, you know that you know that Taylor Swift song where she goes, "Tell me my words worth." I'm like, "Oh, car, take me to the lakes where all the poets went to die. I don't belong." You know that song where she's like, "You're a cheer captain and I'm in the bleachers." <laughs> yeah, I know that one too. And then we're gonna have deeper cuts. So a lot of people don't know about that one. Totally. You know, I finally found out about her house on Cornelia. Well, oh, you walked know, by I'm... there. Walked by there with friend of the pod, Harry Hill. Shout out, we gotta have him on. Um, you okay. <laughs> must have Harry Hill on. Harry Hill is a name that reminds me of Harry Hamlin, Lisa Renner's husband. Is that so, something to say on a podcast? I can actually say something. I actually, for the first time in my life, have something to say about that on my podcast, which is that I did a deep dive because I don't know who told me someone was like that guy. Here's, here's what goes on in my brain. That guy who still is like creeping around the Kardashians is dating his second teen. Oh, Scott Disick. Did you tell me that? I don't think I told you that, but I recently so learned he, that as well because I'm watching the final season. He is dating maybe then <laughs> full circle moment. Uh, maybe you. Told oh yes, he is dating Harry and Lisa's daughter. Yes, and then I found out about another teen he dated, which is a girl who's Nicole Richie's little sister. And I wa- I ended up kind of on a normal weekday afternoon watching a video where she it gets to open and see herself on the cover of Cosmo, and it's her in this really fancy backyard, and she's like, "Oh my god, y'all, it's here, it's here, it's here! I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, it's here!" And then she like opens this like big envelope, and she gets to see herself on the cover, and I'm like must be nice yeah yeah he's dating amelia um who is lisa's daughter who like lisa made the choice of to make her eating disorder incredibly public on the famous tv show real housewives of beverly hills and it's like unclear if amelia was comfortable with that and um and i always forget see i always forget about her because i like a little bit better i like delilah bell who is the older one i think Mm-hmm. I, um, I saw some pictures of those girls. I'll never forget when those girls were like teaching Lisa Rinna how to make um like cucumber spaghetti. You know, like those oh machines where you put a cucumber in it and it's like just We will eggs. look back on that. We will look back on that and have and it will be crazy. You know, I have something I finally have to say, and that's just because something's stringy doesn't mean it's spaghetti. <laughs> like that's not what is <laughs> everything that's a 
string shape is not spaghetti and that's okay and that's even healthy i know i'm so sick i'm so sick and tired of being told to eat vegetable shaped wait i'm sorry <laughs> they've brainwashed me spaghetti shaped vegetables <laughs> With my sauces, okay? And to say it's spaghetti, that is so crazy. It's that's like, like let saying me have, anything it's that's... To, yeah. That's like Go saying ahead. anything that, that... That's like rolling something into a ball, rolling bread into a ball and being like, this is an apple now. It's like, no, it's bread. I was just thinking you roll something into a little cylinder and you say, no, it's a marshmallow? <laughs> kind oh, of interesting to go cylinder with marshmallow. I wouldn't have thought that that's Yeah, your example was, was a lot better. Well, I was going to say ball, but we already did that. We already well, tackled what... the shape of ball. <laughs> <laughs> we already completely let me tell you down. this two comedians take down the shape of ball on their podcast <laughs> speaking of balls balls aren't really a ball shape now are they they're more kind of hanging pendulums no i it, it's true you know i'm finally ready to say something that we haven't said in years and that's that if you think everything's showing shaped is spaghetti even if it's vegetable seek treatment like literally seek treatment because you probably are deeply unwell and my other thing to seek treatment about, wait, what did you just say again? It was well, it was about, I was actually deciding that actually some balls are really kind of sucked up there and they look more like balls. Oh, like are you talking about testicles? Yeah, but then, you know, I had the idea. If you're going to call it spaghetti, it's, it's not even that. It's like pretending it's as good as spaghetti is offensive to me. Don't pretend that's that that's good. And that's what the girls were doing. That's what Delilah like, and Amelia like, were doing. It's like, having, it's like have pasta. Experience your life experience that I'll, you know I someone told me that the only way your brain can get any energy is from carbs and so everyone <laughs> who says that you shouldn't eat carbs well that's why their brain doesn't have any energy well you know what I, I think we, we should have a spinoff show called experience that <laughs> <laughs> just what we need like a second podcast or that's well, essentially just I don't like, know. based on a catchphrase that we will stop saying <laughs> after two weeks <laughs> I just feel like there was there's some part of our narrative like at some point the, I had the idea in my head that someone in their right mind would come along and kind of put us on TV and while that's yet to happen whenever we do we'll get to say yeah this is called experience that experience that um, now I have to say another thing that I want people to seek treatment for when in the world are we as a human species going to come together and say like just saying the word balls or like like isn't funny or a joke like i'm so sick of being like oh you love ball like every time balls are mentioned it's like oh she loves balls and it's like people literally cry laughing in 2021 i've never i've not heard someone say that someone loves balls lately You've not heard someone being like, oh, I want some uh, – it's like, oh, give oh. it to her. She loves balls because like, it's like about meatballs or something. You know what I mean? It's like about like oh, malt. Oh, I someone understand. Someone talks about balls in a non-sexual I, way and then someone's like, yeah, yeah, you love balls, don't you? And they're going yeah. testicles with it. And it's like, okay, like testicles exist. Some people call them balls. I don't, but some people do. And that's okay and it's not funny. And that's okay that it's not funny. Yeah, but as if we've learned anything from living in New York and attempting to do comedy, it's that 99% of people could not find something funny to say if they were on their death bard. <laughs> Wait, um, speaking of balls, you know what's funny? I don't like my guy will mind saying that he doesn't even really care about his balls. It's a myth. He, oh, he feels I lied to. He's like... Everyone always told me it would feel so good when it was the balls, but it's not really his. See, yeah. That's how my guy is. But I actually am, as a guy, um, feel deeply passionate about my balls, and I actually love ball play. 
Oh, and what do I, you like people yeah. to do to your balls? And even when I jerk and I'm watching porn, I'm not ready to come yet. I want to do a few more videos first. I'll just kind of like stroke my balls. Oh, that's fun. That's nice. Yeah. Oh, wait. Can I tell you what I – before we, we have our, our guest is in the waiting room, but before we let him in, can I tell you one of the things I got for Bri for his 30th? You're going to love this. It's very like – um Anal bead. No, it's very like sex columnist. I went to, I went to the – you know what? I, I have to say this. I went to the pleasure chest. And I kind of thought it would be the place where you'd have to be like, stop giving me advice. Like, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. I just want to look around. Instead, I was, like, begging them to pay attention to me. I was like, what should I get? I've yeah. had sex before and I liked it. What else might I like? <laughs> um, but what I actually ended up getting was a, a wee vibe. Hopefully they'll sponsor us. Where it goes, it magnetizes itself into my little panties. And then it, Brian, not only with a control, but through an app on his phone, no matter the distance, can control the vibrator. Come on. You got him for his birthday a vibrator for you. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. <laughs> That's incredible. He was like, thanks for getting yourself a vibrator for my birthday. Well, it was, <laughs> it was really <laughs> it was, crazy. The, uh, it was just one part of his gift. Mm-hmm. The other was I played with his balls. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he hated that. And he didn't, and he hated it. <laughs> he didn't even hate it. Yeah, yeah. The opposite of hate is indifference. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people love to say that. We have such a fab guest today. And put your put ears, your ears open. open. For, for Clark, Clark Moore. Hi. Wait. Now, to have a guest on my podcast who I actually saw on the big screen for what the I wasn't sure screen. was a date and in a rare occurrence actually turned out to be a date is really thrilling. Wow. You saw, saw it in, it in the in theater? The th- not on a airplane. I did not. I did not <laughs> see it on the airplane. <laughs> I saw it in the airplane and the guy next to me was, turns out to be my date. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never, never know. know. Crazy things have happened whenever, at 30,000 feet. Whenever I'm on a plane and someone's next to me, I'm like, is this a date or are we just friends? Um, but no, I saw it. Uh-huh. Um, I saw it on a date and it was fun. It was kind of, it was fun. Yeah. You were so good in it. You were- I, I, I will receive that compliment in one second. Where is Sally? Is she here? Is she in the chat? So my, I have to tell you this story. My, the reason why I'm here, forgive me for taking over your show. I am a control freak and I'm also a clinical narcissist. So Sally is in the room. Hi, Sally. Sally. Let me tell you, Sally is our intern. Okay. And I I do want to say for the record, I have been listening to Seek Treatment for a couple of years now on and off. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're humiliating us (laughs) on our podcast. Clark, I'm absolutely mortified. And I so I am hip. I am cool. However, I do have to give Sally her props because she is an undergraduate at the University of Wisconsin. She's she's the youngest person alive. Truly. And she's right getting, get this, college credit to be the intern for my podcast, which is the scam of all scams. Honestly, like, <laughs> oh my God. God bless you, Sally. And can you give her like an, can you give her a D so we get a 2.0 <laughs> factored into her? GPA? Can we, and can we include this on the pod? Because I think it's fascinating. Yes, or we is this must. top secret? We, okay, must. we must. Okay. Because she sit. She suggested Seek Treatment. I asked for marketing ideas from her. And this speaks to her brilliance. It was one of the first pods she put in our little doc, our little Excel spreadsheet. So oh she's God. the reason I'm here. Sally, marry me. Thank you, Sally. I've listened since like 2019. Pat, you wished me a happy birthday. On Cameo.com? In you. Oh, my God. Yeah, in Cameo.com. <laughs> Sally and Clark, I need to hear, how does one connect with an intern? Yeah, so how this, you guys is, meet? this also speaks to Sally's um, 
resilience, her perseverance, she identified Simone, my producer, who is this bomb producer. She produces for A Little Late with Lily Singh. She produced for Steve Harvey before. She's like a proper late night television producer. And Sally slid into her DMs on LinkedIn. Oh, my God. Like, like, uh, I was doing it just... No, oh Sally. my god, Sally, you're ask. already more successful than all of us here today. That is so <laughs> impressive. <laughs> and by all of us, she means just me and her. You're more successful than me and Catherine. And, I've never wait. experienced LinkedIn. Wait, mm. I, I kind of have. But wait, Sally, are you um, are you like the kind of college student that's like ambitious? Me and my boyfriend um, have a fake drag persona that we like don't know who which of us will will, will inhabit one day called ambitious goals this is very like um whenever we're like sending an email like okay i'm being ambitious goals today but <laughs> when i hear about a young person having an internship i'm like she's ambitious are you ambitious i guess i guess in some ways i didn't used to be like in high school uh-huh. never was and then yeah in college like i'll just get spurts of it and then Totally. Like, something like this? College is all about, like, yeah. going on, like, co- college, college is always, is, for me, college is all about going on, like, NBC.com slash careers and be like, <laughs> am I on the office and finding out I'm not and then being like, okay, I guess I'll... It's really embarrassing. <laughs> it no, is humiliating. humiliating. And it's like, I'm, Truly. like, being on the Sony website, being like, am I going to yeah. be a record executive? And being like, I don't have 40 forms. And they don't even, they're like, give us your forms. And I'm like, you, what forms? And it's like, I have to know. Anyways. My intern story, because I have to say, uh, Sally is being very humble. She has already done more for our show in the few weeks that she's been our intern than I did in any of the internships that I had combined. I oh my God. was nowhere near <laughs> as, uh, I mean, I was ambitious and I sort of had that like psychotic drive, but it was not matched with execution. Yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. Oh, okay, we're poaching Sally. Yeah, <laughs> everyone should, honey. And she is graduating soon, right? You're a senior. Yeah, yeah, but I graduate in December. Okay. So I have one. So she's going to be on the market in a matter of months. Sally, what's your dream? Are you like, I'm going to LA? I'm full. I'm Hollywood. I'm Hollywood. I'm Hollywood. I don't feel very Hollywood. Um, I spent the semester in New York and I I saw you because this is like, I'm just like really just pulling out these. Okay, where was I? Because I've been quarantining. I've been quarantining, Sally. Yeah, actually, I didn't see you in quarantine, but I saw you when. In 2019, when I started actually listening to the pod, and I was working for Full Front with Samantha B, and you came to Christmas on Ice, and you were wearing a beret. My friend oh. Tessa, who's another intern, came, and she said I started wearing a beret because Catherine started wearing a beret. Oh <laughs> my like, god! I, her and I said I like your beret. I was like, that's huge. That's Sally, very mean girls. You just made my day. That yeah. was that was about 40 years ago. I was so young then. Yeah, you retired berets for yourself. That was one of the, my first dates with my now lover. Mm. So full circle, kind of one of Pat's first dates was seeing Love, Simon. One of mine was showing me what a beret looks like on my head. Uh-huh. The point is, Clark, you're here. I'm We're here. so happy to have you. I'm We're so, so honored to, to have you on the pod. Uh, What's going on with you? What is, so first of all, your home looks gorgeous. I love this big painting behind you. Thank you. That is actually the first piece of art that I ever bought in my life. It is mm-hmm. a piece from my friend's senior thesis. Shout out to Andrew Purpura. It is, um, as you can tell, in the abstract expressionist space. There's a little bit mm-hmm. of impressionism going on there as well. Um, but it's um, it's Monhegan Island in Maine. 
is the view. It's sort oh. of a beach view. Wait, it's so gorge. Wait, I that's see the it art like a... or that's where you are? That is the art. I wish okay. I was on Monhegan <laughs> Island in Maine. And I would say emotionally, I identify as a person who is on Monhegan Island in Maine. Mm-hmm. There we go. But I am actually in um, the deepest pit of hell, which you might call Los Angeles. Oh wow. my god. Can I ask where I am? Yes, of course. Even I don't know. Him. I am in right on the border of Mar Vista and Venice. So I'm a West Side okay, girl. Okay, wow. I don't know any places in So have you been, have, but you've been in LA forever. I have right? been in LA for 8 years full-time, 10 years mm-hmm. off and on. So it wow. does feel like forever. Wow, but aren't you're also can I and only answer if you feel comfortable? You're a young person as well, no? I am um, <laughs> young, yes. <laughs> on a on a scale of um, Sally to me, old. on a scale of Sally to me, <laughs> how young do you feel? I'm probably cl- I'm probably closer to y'all than you think. I actually just celebrated a birthday lat two weeks ago. Oh, happy birthday. Thank birthday. you. I turned over 18 to play high school on TV, and it was great. <laughs> I feel good about it. I feel, Fab. you know, like I've sort of leveled up a bit. Um, I would say, though, my soul is quite old. I'm like really? 60s, 70s, yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see my library over here. I'm reading all the time. I do not like to go out. I ordered dinner the other day, and I was like, I, I was texting a friend. And I was like, oh, my God, I just got Takaya. I just got delivery on the way for dinner. And he texted back, Clark, it's 4.30. (laughs) And I (laughs) was like, don't judge me. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat when I eat. I'm not leaving my house, you know. When it comes to meals, it's like, yeah, eat anytime you want. And it's like, we can call them different things. Like, this can be called dinner, I guess. But it's like completely arbitrary. And language is so crazy that way. (laughs) Wow. That is really interesting. I love an early dinner. I used to be told I could play high school. I used to be told that until probably eight months ago. And what happened was eight months ago, I got 18 trillion crow's feet, which I'm actually fine with because I think they can be really hot. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> But what happened, I forgot, I, I'm sure, I've, I was going to say, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but I'm actually sure I have because it's the only thing I ever talk about. But <laughs> famously, I think it's the most recent episode, but I posted a picture of um, me on from Search Party and someone I'm playing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm supposed to be playing a twink in the episode, so like kind of younger than than I actually am. And someone from the screen grab I posted without context commented and said, um, "Wow, that aging makeup they used is so realistic." <laughs> <laughs> As though I was playing like a seventy-year-old, and they like made me up, and I was like, "No, that is actually me playing young." And if anything, they they made me up to look younger. And <laughs> so I wish you the best, and nope. thank you for your supporting. But here's the thing, and this is the thing that I say to myself every single day when I have an uh, an identity crisis about it. It's all relative, and. You in that scene, they did you dirty by putting you in a trailer, first of all. Totally. And, totally. you know, there was there was no, like, help help for you. There was no help. You know? <laughs> I was calling for help. Left and right, where is the youth? And they were like, what if we put this hat on you? What if we put you in these muted tones and this dark totally. background? Totally. Next to our main cast, who is is probably, you know, similar age to you. Mm -hmm. It's all relative. This is what the casting director is telling me. If you are standing next to a bunch of 30-year-olds and we're all 30, then we all, and we say we're 18, then the audience is like, great, we're 18. 
That's so mm. true. And actually, funnily enough, a friend of mine who, because I think, obviously, I think about this a lot. It's a complex that I've now developed being um, a person who's not in high school playing high school. Yeah. I think about it all the time and I'm obsessed with it and I'm like frantically rolling my face with my jade roller every five minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> but my friend, a friend of mine who works in tech, she's a she does VC, like watches television in the background. You know, she's not studying frame by frame like we all are. She she texted me, I love this new show, Pen Fifteen. And I was like, yeah, it's so good, right? And she was like, where did they find these 13-year-olds no. to play these yeah. girls? I'm not even kidding. She literally thought Maya and Anna were 13. Though That's we joke amazing. and we laugh, but Catherine, if you all remember, I watched the pilot of Pen15 with you, and I didn't know anything about it. And I was like, mm-hmm. who wrote this show? And you were like, the two the leads and I was like but there's children I, mean, <laughs> I, I forgot I, th- I remember like immediately feeling stupid and like trying to play it off like I was kidding but <laughs> I don't know if you ever picked up on it but I thought they were I, I know well. I didn't I don't remember that and in now. that way I am VC and in that way I'm tech in that mm. way and a fantastic actor you fooled her I've... yeah absolutely I had no idea oh yes that's true that's true yeah, I'm giving I, you your flowers, Pat. I guess there I'm good at my craft after all. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it takes being wrong about the uh, about Maya and Anna's age to learn that you're an incredible actor, and mm. that is my story in this industry. And that's my gift to you. Thank you. <laughs> um, wait, what's your pod going to be? So my podcast is called Soul Bomb by Clark Moore, and it's all about healing and identity. It's sort of I would say the the elevator pitch is Millennial Super Soul Sunday. Mm. So oh, cool. Oh, my God. I love Super Soul Sunday. Right? We live for it. But also so there's the, you know, Oprah having done what she's done for so long and being so good at it. She's, it's also a little inside baseball sometimes. And I think mm-hmm. when you – oh, my God. Did I just speak ill about Mother O? That was <laughs> not my intention. No, 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 no I don't no, no, think no. so at all. I, you spoke I'm, ill on I'm, us, if anything, for not fully knowing – her entire okay, good. Well, I agree, um, Clark, that I think there has been a tonal shift in, in some of Oprah's work, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's like the next phase of Oprah. Like I'm speaking yes. about, obviously, the interview, is, as we'll call it. Yes, and- which, by the way, we did an hour and a half on, We my which is not my show. My show is like interview-based. It's very mm-hmm. biographical. It's like personal histories. And I am such a royalist that yeah. when I saw the Meghan and Harry interview, I like went into an emotional spiral for the the entire week after and I'm honestly still processing it. And so we did an hour and a half flash episode just breaking down the we had a friend on, a friend of mine who's a royal correspondent. Oh my we god. Talked oh my about god. like yeah, we got into it. So what was my the mom, takeaway for you personally? Uh we all three had different takeaways, me, the co- correspondent and Simone. I would say mine is probably the most reverent take. Um, yeah. I am uh, very much I, – I, I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone <laughs> to feel – you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like the opposite of um, of this like sensationalist culture and like yeah. cancel and drag her. I'm like, let's be happy and let's heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really saw – God, I did not intend to come on here and do 10 minutes about Meghan and Harry, but – No. We need a – we, did, we didn't do – we didn't really hour. touch on it. <laughs> Uh, well, we don't. I, yeah, <laughs> I will say my feelings are: I originally felt like when Meghan and Harry, when that whole thing was starting, I was like, "What an opportunity here for the royal family to 
connect with, as Megan said, 70% of the Commonwealth who's non-white, yeah. all these people who don't look like them, who have a relationship with them because of their, you know, their position in the Commonwealth, but don't, you know, what are their, what's their connection to British royalty? It feels very far away. And I felt like mm-hmm. Megan and Harry brought it to us. It made it accessible. It made it exciting. And then when they were the Fab Four with William and Kate, it was just like, it was hot. Honestly, yeah. it was hot. <laughs> it was hot. And I was like, was hot. my king, you know, it made me really <laughs> excited for William, you know, like, yeah. I, I'm actually also going to take this opportunity to invite my mother, who I know is listening to this podcast now yeah. that it's airing. I'm uh-huh. going to go ahead and invite you to leave the chat, mom. <laughs> mom I'm not going to say anything crazy, I promise, but I definitely don't want you hearing <laughs> what Clark's I Clark's mom, you're not podcast. welcome here and you need to get out. You're not <laughs> welcome here, Clark's mom. Get go. out. Go. So now that she's gone, it really made me hard for the monarchy. Like, I was excited about this hot, young, new take on yeah. leadership and service. And so it then was, to see how it turned mm-hmm. so quickly against her because of racism and sex, you yeah. know, like all of those things um, was just so sad. And I, and it also, to finish out this monologue, it mimicked so much of my personal experiences being black in the workplace and experiencing like, I have so much to offer. I have so much to bring here. But because the people who are in power are so small-minded and mm-hmm. so short-sighted, they can't even imagine the ways in which I can contribute here. And so they're keeping me over in this tiny little corner and misusing me, mistreating me. You know, a lot of that obviously is projection. But um, I think it mimics a lot of people's experiences. And so that was part of the, you know, the charge for me watching it at least. Yeah, totally. And I know what you mean about it feeling really hot when it was like, the four and it felt like to me <laughs> as a 32 year old gay man in america it felt like um i was like okay it's the oc at this point like when there's mm-hmm. two guys dating two girls it it's the oc and so that was really exciting and um but yeah i think that like and my mom is someone too who like really has always from like childhood had this kind of like relationship that i think some boomer americans have with the royal family where it's mm-hmm. like kind of part of the appeal I think is that it isn't accessible and it's like these people live these lives and it's it's almost how we are with the Kardashians but that was mm-hmm. and it's like p- the part of the fun is that I can never have that or something and yes they're like these kind of untouchables um but it was so interesting to hear Megan's take especially for her to be like I grew up in LA like I know celebrities like this is not celebrity like this mm-hmm. is something else like that mm-hmm. was so interesting to me yeah um but what I was going to say about Oprah in that interview is like her tone is like, um, I don't know word this correctly, like more laid back, like kind of like chiller. Like she's it's not so stressed about. She it, knows exactly mm. what she's doing. She's like, yeah, uh-huh. here she's like, here you are, palm up hand vibes. <laughs> and you always have with her, but especially then, you just feel so taken care of because like, mm-hmm. oh, this is like a really um, high stakes. It feels interview, and she is not worried it's gonna like go left. Like she's just like <laughs> knows it's fine. Like she can do it, and it's, she's in makes control. It, yeah. yeah. And that's and the she, feeling that, like, I, I never have in my life. Yeah, and so to yeah. see that, I mean, as you said about aspiration, I think it's important to have people in our lives who live a version of life that maybe we'll never actually reach, 
but that we can work towards, you know, someone who's, um, and I think it's important for us to choose who those people are yeah, consciously and wisely. I love that you bring up the Kardashians as, as an example. Um, because, you know, we're all sort of like trying to be better people, or I don't know that we all are, but many of us are. And it's nice to have something to point to. I mean, for, for me, my relationship with the royal family uh, is similar to what you were saying, Pat. They We grew up watching the Christmas um, address every year of the Queen. It's like part of my relationship with my grandmother. It's part of my relationship with Christmas in general. They've always just kind of like been in the background and this really stable force, which is nice, especially in chaotic, you know, like these chaotic times. And for them to be expressly apolitical, you know, yeah. to be like, I don't care. As she said, I you either voted for Brexit or you voted to remain. I am the queen of everyone. You know, I love you all. We're all part of this country. As you try to divide us, here I am in the middle holding it together. Totally. And I think that's admirable. I also think it's like we grow up, like, you know, obviously in a place where there's not like a quick king and queen and like our Wait. kind of first impressions. <laughs> Wait, what? I, I, I like take my crown off. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, News so to me. Our like first impressions is all like cartoon and like Disney adjacent. And so like, Growing, like, when you're little hearing about those things, I do think you, like, really romanticize it a bit in a way. Like, Mm -hmm. that feels magical. Um, Not that I've never cared that much. I've always been, like, interested by, like, things like the order of succession are always interesting to me because I really like numbers. And I'm, like, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm obsessed with, like, different people dying and it going to someone random. Like, that's so (laughs) funny to me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, I'm obsessed with different people dying. And um, (laughs) and my mom, I remember being in New Jersey, my mom, like, was shaking me awake and, and, like, bringing me downstairs to watch, like, Princess Anna's funeral. And I was like, I don't know who this lady is. Oh, my God. My mom, I grew up with, okay, my mom's relationship to the royal family is the same as it is to the feature film Titanic. And (laughs) Clark, famously, our moms don't care about Titanic. She does not care about the song My Heart Will Go On. And whenever that would come up or the royal family would come up she'd be like Ugh, no it's not it's not real and i was like and she, she does the same thing with valentine's day she's like it's not real i'm like what if that if valentine's day isn't real then what is real? right <laughs> i say that with right. lo- i say that with love towards my mother who um is you know absolutely i'm obsessed with her she's the best but i never really knew about it even though i am horny for england say it with mm. me are you an anglophile Absolute, absolute. I cannot, and, and I'm not, and I'm not an anglophile. I can't. I, the long distance romances. I mean, they've taken their toll on me. They're just. I'm. I think I'm done with it. But it was very fun for a while. Mm, the chapter is closed. The book is. Yeah, it's, it's a been too exhausting. Book. Oh, it has been. Are you guys watching? Um... <laughs> Come on, in my fantasy, um, I'm the book of my life is a hardcover. I'm not going to tell myself. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think it's important to visualize that. Yeah, be specific. Hey. Hey, um, Hi, how are you? Um, We actually just want to chat a little bit um, about something that you need to know about College Dipsy because everyone needs an escape. But those can be hard to come by right now during this absolute hellscape that we call reality. So enter Dipsy. Let yourself get lost in a world where good things happen and where your (laughs) pleasure is the only priority. Honey, a world where good things happen, I would literally love to be invited. And if I can bring a plus one, honey, I'm bringing you. Thank you. You 
So basically, Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that feel like real people in immersive scenarios. So you feel like you're right there. When I was locked in my hotel room in Toronto, I used Dipsy and I absolutely jerked it to an amazing story about a girl um, sleeping with her professor during office hours. Oh my God, that's so hot. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. And yes, they have stories that deal with gay. Listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush, even if he's same sex as you. And also, you can listen to a story about your coworker who you always had a little thing for. Or maybe, actually, a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they'd want to do to you. Mm. So the thing about Dipsy, babe, is that they also release new content every week. So there's always more to explore, no matter what you're into or what turns you on. And if you need to wind down and you need to put sex down for one second, then Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. So the amazing news is that for listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash seek treatment. That's 30 days of full erotic access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash seek treatment. And once again, that's dipsystories.com slash seek treatment. Feeling your best starts with what you eat. And Sakara, my number one girl, gives you the ability to not just eat healthy, but truly enjoy it with chef-crafted plant-rich meals that build a foundation for radiant health. Looking to change your diet? Well, here's a radical idea. What if, okay, instead of imposing restrictions and limits, which are not helpful, you actually nourished your body and gave it more of what it really needs? Kind of revolutionary, huh? Well, Sakara believes in giving you more of what's good for you. And Sakara literally tastes so good. I'm obsessed with their breakfasts. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. Their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients, and they're designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. The menu of creative, chef-crafted, ready-to-eat breakfasts, lunches, and dinners changes weekly. So, babe, you're never going to get bored. And a bonus, it's delivered fresh to your door anywhere in the U.S. Along with delicious plant-rich meals, Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. Experience the transformative power of plants with their best-selling metabolism super powder made with organic raw cacao. It works to boost energy, eliminate bloating, minimize sugar cravings, and reduce fatigue. One of my oldest friends, fatigue. Sakara has received rave reviews from, get ready for it, Vogue, Goop, The New York Times, and more, including me, Kitty Cat Coco, the girl who tried Sakara before they even sponsored her podcast. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash seek treatment or enter promo code seek treatment at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash seek treatment to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash seek treatment. Wait, Clark, are you in love right now? I am. Um, I'm not in love. No, I'm. And this is actually part of what I 
was prepping myself to talk about <laughs> yeah. in coming on the You mean this not podcast. the royal family? No, I did not expect to go that way, but it doesn't <laughs> not my me. mom. Not my mom's relationship with the royal family. Is not Wait, what about my mom's relationship? You didn't want to talk about my mom's relationship to the Titanic song? <laughs> I will say it's the second time I've had that exact conversation in the last 24 hours. So it's not surprising <laughs> that it happened to me. I, I'm obviously the common denominator. Um, but I, I was listening more closely to some of the most pre- uh, recent episodes just to sort of like get in the seek mm. treatment headspace. Seek treatment. <laughs> yes. And they these past couple of girls, these past couple of episodes have really gotten into it. They have really been <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I'm the kind of sex positive person where I have to remind myself that I'm sex positive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like totally. I watched WAP and I was like, Oh my god, like <laughs> you go girl. <laughs> I guess, you know. <laughs> and I'm looking around like, right, this is good. This is right. Like, like That's right. So funny. Okay, like what are, what's our take here? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like my heart is stopped. It's similar to how I felt about uh Nas's video where I was like, you Love. won't catch me twerking on the devil, but honey, you do it. You live your life, yeah, whatever yeah. you want to do. I loved it. Um, what was I going to say? Do, well, you, we respect you... all your privacy, of course. And if we ever bring up something you don't want to talk about, just say no, 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 okay, no. Okay, perfect. No. <laughs> do you um do you like? Cause I've struggled with sex negativity um in a way that I've even embraced. And um, mm-hmm. but do you feel like it's connected to like your upbringing, or do you feel like being queer and like trying to deal with that at a young age? Were you someone who like um came out earlier or later do you feel early very early like i have always been gay i officially came out to my parents in um uh i'm trying to figure out the best way to say this because i'm trying not to date myself (laughs) Um, obsessed i've become one of those women who like lies about their age you know and i don't know how it happened You're, you're wearing it well Thank you. Hollywood Um, does it to you. So I, it really does. I came out to my parents in my freshman year of high school. I came out to friends starting in seventh and eighth grade. Which (laughs) was (laughs) 2018. Wait, 7th and 8th grade you came out to your friends? Oh, wow. 7th and 8th grade to friends. But also I I revealed this on my pod with one of y'all's friends, Matt Rogers. Oh. um, Last week episode I think uh, w- the first time I ever said the words I'm gay to another person was when I was six years old in first grade and I started a gay club at my school <gasps> oh my god that's heaven oh my god it was, okay you're a pioneer it was bizarre I know. were there a lot of members it was me and a girl named Joanna who had two mommies oh my god Aww. and it was just the two of us I was the president and she was the vice president <laughs> <laughs> and okay. she didn't have an office and that's okay she didn't. And this is also, by the Veep. way, a little bit of a foreshadow for my Where Are Will section. Who who were I? Where were yeah. our mm-hmm. Will? Mm-hmm. Who were, was I? Who will I be? Whatever. Who are you? Who, are, who do you want to be? This is all like laying the groundwork for. Good. I'm, I'm taking you on a journey even as your guest. I'm I obsessed. Do you want us? in control, just like Oprah. Dare we? Dare we dive in and ask you who were you? Bef- who wait, are but first, you wait, you're st- you wanna be? What? But first, we're just talking about like coming out. Um, right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no worries. I feel that, you know, I always hear people like Gen Z, Sally. 
um gen z <laughs> people will always be like i feel like, like people don't like really come out anymore like you don't really even really need to it's more laid back it's like date who you want and i'm kind of mm-hmm. like can we have nothing fun anymore like coming out is like one of the main dramatic things you can do and if we're gonna <laughs> yes. take that then what's the point of even being gay if you're like not gonna have to like give a tearful speech to your loved ones at some point <laughs> it's much less fun i would i will say yeah. but yes all of that is connected to shame 100 percent. it's connected to um shame around queerness and uh but also sexuality in general i come from a very like i've always joked that we're the um whatever the black version of wasps is mm. a friend of mine once said the huxtables is is the black version of what <laughs> yeah um it's like southern protestant repression and a lot of the conversations that i had with my mom growing up was sort of you know especially once i came out I was like, why are you so homophobic? Why are you so afraid of gay sex? And she was like, oh, no, honey. It's not gay sex that I don't like. It's all sex. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a completely different issue altogether. Like, she wouldn't let me go see Brokeback Mountain. And I was like, you're homophobic. <laughs> and she was like, no, babe, I don't like to watch people have sex on screen. It makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so like all of this is connected to that. Totally. I'm impressed my she was even able to say that because most par- my it's like my parents are the same way, but they wouldn't say that. They would just be like, oh, I'm busy. <laughs> okay. My parents are British now. <laughs> oh, I'm um, busy. <laughs> yeah. Even Kat, I love says- your British accent. You did it Thank on a recent you. episode and it was oh. so good. <laughs> First of all, I'm so flattered that you actually listen to our podcast because I, it's just, it's very kind. A lot of times I'll do a pod and be like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to say, just while we're in this space, I'm sorry, Pat. Just while we're in this space about the pod, um, I had sort of a a shifting relationship with it because at first, and this is truly a journey, at first, the first time I listened to it, I think I was introduced through Los Culturistas, maybe. I think there was Uh a crossover that happened. Yeah. And that was in the time of my life where I was, I'm really, I'm really foreshadowing. Okay. That was in the time of my life where I was much more regimented and I was working in tech. I was sort of like nine to five girl, you know, um, listening to my podcasts on my commute, like the yuppie that I pretended to be. And um, it really, the lack of uh, direction really made me uncomfortable at that time. Just as you were saying about like n- about feeling like Oprah's in control, yeah. I was listening to it and I was like, "Where are we going? I don't know. Where are we? It's really so we in the way we're the we're the, we're the opposite of Oprah and that we are so out of control." <laughs> <laughs> However, once the pandemic hit and all of my social interaction disappeared, the very thing that made me uncomfortable about your show at the beginning became the saving grace because now it was like. <laughs> There doesn't have to be a path. There doesn't have to be a plan. We're just in this together. Go listen to your friends Cat and Pat talk to you for an hour while you walk your doodle around Mar Vista. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we were trying to do all happy. along. And yeah, it, 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 I got it. That's my point. <laughs> it, I didn't get it at first because it was me. And then I shifted. And now I am grateful for the gift. It's a funny little balance. And I'm sure you'll you'll find this with your podcast where it's like you do start where like because um, I get stressed out by like structure when there's like certain things to hit like that worries me. And and of course, I can get stressed out when it's like you're looking at like, you know, the, the top half of an hour. And it's like, what if I don't think of something to say in 10 minutes? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, well, you just have to like be like, well, 
deal with that when I get to it. And it's mm. the only way I'm able to like enjoy it is to not have to worry and just trust that like, to me, that's like the magic of, I mean, I was brought up um, in the improv comedy scene and it's kind of that feeling of like, just, just that you'll all kind of like have fun together. And it's, I don't know. That's like how it's fun to me. That's a beautiful I just, lesson. <laughs> I just Thank pictured you. you like a baby in a bassinet, like left on the steps of the UCB in Chelsea, and they like, I, raised <laughs> you to be this like totally yeah, like nice. We prayed. <laughs> um, um, I want to make face. it clear: I, I, I could never listen to this podcast, and I only listen to things <laughs> that have a lot of structure and that are mostly about like very intense subjects. If I had to listen to myself talk about string cheese for 45 minutes, I would not like me either. <laughs> Most of our conversation at the top of the episode was around the culture surrounding um like when you put <laughs> it was really 2018 in a nutshell like when you put vegetables into the thing and then like it, they came out of strings and you just said that's spaghetti now. Mm-hmm. That I was never that spaghetti, you know? That was never spaghetti. Mm-mm. And it never will be. Yeah. Uh, it never and as be. someone who um, bravely went on the South Beach diet when she was 14 years old, there's a long history of um, <laughs> talk about trailblazer. Yeah, about cauliflower, <laughs> kind of pretending, calling it yes. rice or calling it pizza dough, and it's it's just not. And we have to stop. We have <laughs> to stop. Really bad experience with cauliflower rice where mm. I was in the Las Vegas airport, I think it was, or maybe it was the Reno. No, it was the Reno airport coming back from Tahoe, and I got this like kung pao chicken thing that was on a cauliflower rice bed all of these things sound great right Right. turns out cauliflower rice smells so bad oh really (laughs) and it clings to you it smells like um it smells like when it was cooked it smells like yeah vegetables that are going bad um (laughs) but not from close up only from a distance, specifically the amount of space between me and the person I was sitting next to in the airport who, after about a minute and a half, decided he did not want to sit next to my cauliflower rice-smelling body anymore while we were waiting for our plane. And he and his wife got up and left. And I actually thought it was him. When I sat down, I was like, Mm. oh, this man smells so bad, but I'm a good person (laughs) and I'm going to suffer through it. And then he got up and left and I was like, oh, it's me. Wow. And that's and that's how you learned that your plane ride was actually not a date with that man. There we go. <laughs> and his wife. Um, I thought it was love. And his wife. Um, do you wait? So let's just do who are you? And I know I I'm think the it's one. Time. I'm, I know I'm the one who jumped in and said, "Wait, well, let's I talk about don't... coming out." I said that. Well, Pat's favorite questions are: When did you CO? Did you hook in high school? And do you have a boyfriend? And, and how, how many, many boyfriends have you, have you had? ever had? And how many mm. boyfriends have you ever had? Mm-hmm. And on this podcast, three boyfriends to have in your lifetime is a lot. Do you want me to answer those questions? Mm, no, we'll get to them. Okay. Let's just do who are you, who are you, who you want to be. Because okay. I think, you're, gonna, you I think you're about to yeah, tell us a, an exciting tale. So I've, I mean, I do because I'm crazy, like I said, because I'm type A. I do have notes here. I have prepared for this podcast. <laughs> this is okay. amazing. So who were you? Who was I? I mostly am thinking about, like, as I was visualizing this, I was thinking about who are the women. And we've even we've even called in some of their names already. Mm-hmm. Um, but who were these iconic women who uh, taught me who I wanted to be or created the archetype that I would then go in and out of in each of these phases? So who was I? I would say... I was 
probably, I still say I am, but I was Blair Waldorf. Sally knows this. We've been talking about Gossip Girl all day. I love Blair. I'm so jealous that you and Sally have this like beautiful working relationship. I know. Sally, if she if you have any friends that want to be interns, maybe maybe this is an intern connection, a work connection. Um, my roommate's here too, by oh the way. Hey. Hey, Tyler. Hey. He says hi. He's obsessed with me. He's obsessed with you. <laughs> all six, seven inches of him. Six feet, seven inches. Are you serious? Oh, yes, my God. Tall. That's Tyler. She's tall um, and she's single, ladies. Oh, my God. And Tyler. she's on the market. S or G? Um, S or G. 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 Of course. Okay. G. Oh, my God. Okay. We're all okay. queer. Everyone's I know. Queer. I know. Okay, if sometimes. Had a, if you had a straight <laughs> six, seven roommate, I would, that, it would be so out of left field. I'd have to <laughs> shut my laptop. I'd have to shut my laptop and go for a walk. But I every actually, now and then, in my experience, I have found a man who does want to have sex with me for once <laughs> and that is and that can be considered clear just like i'm really happy for you <laughs> it's a great experience i will say i usually have the opposite it's funny you say that pat most of my friends i have a lot of queer friends but most of my friends are straight men because i did go to dartmouth which is like oh, oh my god curveball pinnacle of yeah heterosexuality bro, so bro 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 deep bro yeah and my first in the first four and a half years i lived here i lived with my one of my best friends from college uh, shout out to Henry Lerman, who is now a VP, honey, of development at Amazon. Oh, my okay, God. She's Henry. taking, I know we all pitch here. I know we all <laughs> have shows. Everyone in this room pitches. Everyone in this room pitches. Constantly. Henry, I just want to say, I hope you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm about to go the freak off because I'm obsessed with this next product. So here's the deal. You know, friends don't let friends live with anything less than amazing hair. So think of me as your friend who wants you to be happy and to try function of beauty. This I'm not exaggerating, y'all. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I my function of beauty shampoos came and I use them. And honestly, honestly, and I first of all, I've my whole life, you guys know I'm a two in one per plus kind of girl because that's what my mom would buy our household. But after one time trying my function of beauty, my hair is so soft that even my boyfriend was like your hair looks really good. And I was like, it's function of beauty. Now, everyone's saying, well, what is function of beauty, you dumb bitch? Function of beauty is the world leader in customizable beauty, offering precise formulas for your hair's specific needs. Here's how to get started. First, take a quick but thorough quiz to let them know a little bit about your hair type and your hair goals even, such as lengthen, volumize, and oil control. And because your hair changes with the season, you can change your hair goals before every shipment. Next, choose your color and fragrance or go fragrance and dye free. Then, Functions team determines the perfect blend of ingredients, bottles your formula, and delivers it right to you. Every ingredient Function of Beauty uses is vegan and cruelty-free, and they never use sulfates or parabens. You can also go completely silicone-free. There are over 54 trillion possible formulations, and Function of Beauty has over real – this happened last time – and Function <laughs> of Beauty has over 50,000 real five-star reviews. And, and- – Function of Beauty offers completely personalized formulas for body and skincare as well, so you can customize your beauty routine from hair to toe. So promise me that you will never buy off the shelf just to be disappointed ever again, sweetheart. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash seek treatment to take your quiz and save 20% on your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. 
go to functionofbeauty.com slash seek treatment to let them know we sent you and to get 20% off your order. Functionofbeauty.com slash seek treatment. And that's that. And that's all she wrote. But anyways, I'm sorry, you were Blair Waldorf and what happened yeah. next. And I would say a little bit also of like maybe maybe like a Tracy Flick moon. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I could totally it, see those two that women. That makes sense. Yeah. Right? And, but also, I think it's important to note that there was quite a bit of a Regina, to stay in this astrology metaphor, Regina George <laughs> rising. You know? Oh, wow. What an interesting combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sort of really took Mean Girls to heart and became what I think could only be described as a bully. <laughs> <laughs> Um, The thing is, the reason why I'm okay saying it is because the people who I was bullying, I think mostly thought it was a bit (laughs) and didn't take it seriously. Like they mostly just laughed at me when I said mean things. So you kind of reverse bullied yourself. Apparently. Yeah, that tracks. That's crazy. What made you want to be a bully? Besides um, it just looked so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does look fun. There's something. Sorry. And that shout out to Rachel McAdams for her portrayal of that queen. Uh, but it just was like, who wants to be anyone other than Regina George? Right. In totally. Yeah. I don't know if it's a gay thing too either or if it's uh, everyone thing. But there is something growing up where it's like, as a gay boy, you see like a mean girl and it's like, that's incredible. Like that's mm-hmm. obviously the final form. That's like what I want to be. Like, that's <laughs> amazing. Yes. Top to bottom. Top to bottom. Um, so thank you to Rachel McAdams for making bullying look so fun. God bless. <laughs> okay. So do I now go to who am I? No, no, no. Yes, we're not oh. nearly oh. done because I'm, oh. I've, well, I'm just so fascinated that I didn't know you were tech adjacent and that you were mm-hmm. deeply in the tech world. I figured... Mm-hmm that you because my I was introduced to you by the movie Love Simon so I figured you were like always kind of an actor through and through often when someone's in a movie they, they... didn't walk into your check job and say it's gotta be you it's, <laughs> I was standing on the corner of Hollywood and Vine <laughs> yeah. and someone pulled up in a car and said are you an actor yes <laughs> um, that kid's got X Factor like in, in Dartmouth, were you like, um, did you pursue any kind of like, did you do comedy or writing or acting or? Yeah. So my my acting journey is uh, one is basically um, I started when I was a child. I, I sort of have not only do I have a tech background that I'm shocking you with, I also have. <laughs> a period of my life where I was a child actor. I can't say child star, which I think is a really important distinction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a child actor, which means Boy. like, you know, those of us who have the lived experience of acting now, that's what it was. Like wanting things and not getting them. Mm-hmm. Like going to many, many callbacks and being told you're amazing and perfect and, and beautiful and then losing it to the same guy that you've lost every other thing yeah. to. That was the majority of my my childhood. But, you know, I did every... I mean, like, I signed with my first agent when I was seven. Oh, wow. My first audition was for the movie Hardball with Keanu uh-huh. Reeves. Do you yeah, remember that? I remember I that. So People there love was, that movie. They sure did. And <laughs> as was, you know, the the norm in the 90s the narrative was one of the poor black child which you know i'm sure you aren't making any assumptions about me but that probably that probably isn't one of the 
things that comes to mind when you look at me. Um, and I would say if that's the assumption me you made, then it is correct. So as I was preparing for this audition, I'm seven years old, and my mom is like, okay, let's run these lines. And I'm like, great. I go through the scene, and she's like, oh, no, honey, you have to say the words that are on the page. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Hey, that's random as fuck. I'm like, I don't know why you're giving me notes. I'm that was rude of her. An actor, yeah. Hey, your mom not. is a bully. She taught you how to be. <laughs> okay, I learned from her. And I, so we did it again, and she was like, no, you have to say what's written on the page. And turns out I was going through... And first, I was bleeping out all the swear words because I, I had been taught at that point we do not swear. Of course, is for adults, not for children. And also, I was changing the grammar because it was written for these kids from you know lower income families and lower income, you know, written by white people who were like black people speak in ebonics, right? And I was like, no, black people speak with correct grammar. Mm. And so I was changing the sides to be grammatically correct. And my mom was like, no, honey, that's, you you can't do that. Needless to say, I did not get the part. It was the first of many. And I think that we can all agree that the movie Hardball suffered for that. Hey. Yes. (laughs) I certainly believe that. But so, so, yeah, so tech, the reason why the tech piece came in was because I was here. I've just sort of always, and it's the reason why Dartmouth came in as well. I've always been kind of simultaneously been doing I'm over here doing acting when there's work to be had, when there are roles for queer black people. I'll mm-hmm. I'll take them um, if they're offered. And then when there aren't, I'm not the kind of person who can just sit around and wait endlessly. I'm like, I'm going to go get a college degree from a really good school. I'm going to go. I mean, the tech piece was mostly a lot of my friends were going to grad school. Of course, coming out of Dartmouth, everyone works in finance. So they were all mm-hmm. going to HBS and they're now Harvard Business School and they're now all like Thank you for knowing I have no idea what HBS is. <laughs> <laughs> and they're now all like plus or minus 2 years of like either going in or just coming out and I was like I'm not doing that. I'm not going to business school. Um I I'm going to get a job. I'm going to like learn a skill set that I can't learn anywhere else and so that coincided with having no money and a month where I <laughs> charged my rent which was only $900 so like if you don't have yeah. $900 in mm-hmm. your bank account for your primary thing of rent yeah then like you know like other things you yeah. can you know deal, that's deal why with for that, a long but... time it, it's that's why it's the scariest thing is like to go up in rent because it's like you want to have a number that you feel like if worse comes to worse you can figure out a way to scrape yes. it together somehow you know what I mean like it's really scary when it gets high enough to be like well I hope I just have that you know I don't know I don't know <laughs> And so I didn't. I charged it to (laughs) my mom's credit card through Venmo. Oh, my God. Thank God she's not listening to this anymore. Because then they called her and they were like, did you do this? And she was like, no. And she called me and she was like, did you charge $900 to my credit card? And I was like, no. How bizarre. (laughs) So she had to cancel her account. I feel so bad. Anyway. Oh, um, my God. That coincided with a text message from my friend who was like, hey, do you want to work at Snapchat? I have oh my a God. gig that's like we're hiring for people. And I was like, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> but also I need money. And so I worked at Snapchat for three years. Wow. So if I were to ask, like, do you wow. know how like, and to me, tech can mean a trillion things. Can you like code if I were to ask you right now to code? I'm not that side. I'm <clears throat> so like 
all of tech, I would say, falls into two categories. There's the people who are smart. They're the people who are like actually doing the work, the coding and the, you know, the back end of like actually understand what they're doing. And then there's the rest of us who pretend like we know what we're yeah. doing <laughs> and get paid a ton of money and all oh. these amazing benefits. I want to be on that to... side. Here's the thing. Everyone wants to be on that side and everyone's trying to be on that side. Mm. And it's actually a lot harder to get into the need cushy. The you need, it, it's like, it's, I mean, it's actually a lot like entertainment too. You have to present the narrative and they have to believe it. Yeah. Mm. And then you have to also be good. I mean, this is why fraud is such an issue throughout our entire generation, but throughout tech especially. You have to like constantly know how to show that you know enough to be worthy of the job descri- description, but let that like, I, that's okay. That's not my expertise. You, know, yeah, you don't yeah. have to know when to step in and when to step out. Yeah. And some people can play that game. And I cannot. I can't either. It also helps if you're straight and white and male, I will say. Yeah. But um, I'm none of those things. And so my <laughs> three years at Snapchat were a living hell, oh. which even though I'm not in control, I'm going to go ahead and transition us into who am I? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I would say that that period of my life was... Um, sort of defined by the archetype of Andy Sachs from Devil Wears Prada, mm. okay. where I was in this job that I knew I hated and I knew I didn't like, and I also knew wasn't going to be the end point. I knew that I was only there for a period of time. Um, I also knew that it was, quote, um, the job that a million girls would kill for, and so there was mm-hmm. an awareness of that. And I always had that monologue that Nigel gives her, wake up, six. You're not trying, you're whining. Oh my God. And the thing of like, if you oh. don't want to be here, don't be here. You can quit. The Cerulean. You know? It's the Cerulean. Also Cerulean. Famous yes. part yes, of the movie, Cerulean. Honey. The best part. <laughs> my, oh. my contribution, screaming the, the word Cerulean. I see. You think this has nothing to do with you. Yeah. You. <laughs> go to your closet. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of, you know, I I had to have this come to Jesus, like, grow up girl moment where before that everything was very like I don't want to be an adult and I my parents are cutting me off and isn't that crazy and that experience was like you are here for a reason you can choose to be here for as long as you want I actually shot Love Simon while I was working there and oh my god that's amazing how did you book you just like we're still doing auditions full circle moment the agents uh the the actual agents had left by this point but Um, the agency that I signed with when I was seven was the agency that got me the um, appointment for Love, Simon. Wow. Because we shot it in Atlanta. And so those were Atlanta agents that I'd had. Um, I booked it as a local hire. And then I spent, we shot it over six weeks. And my dates were like two weeks at the front and two weeks at the end. And then there was like a two-week block in the middle, which was Jennifer Garner's block where they shot her out and we had to kind of like (laughs) didn't get to meet her unfortunately because of that but um I for those six months I flew myself back and forth I literally commuted from Los Angeles to LA uh to Atlanta every week twice a week and that is um, wild yeah it was eight that is so exhausting six weeks it was awful yeah, it was really dark. And afterwards you were like, it's time. It's time to leave Snapchat behind. I wish I could say that it was another year. 
before wow. the movie came out. So we shot it in March of 2017. The movie came out in March of 2018. I then left. My last day at Snapchat was June 29th, 2018. So wow. like three wow. or four months after. At that point, I was on a sales role. And so I was like, I am not leaving in the middle of a quarter, honey. I am getting my commission and I am bouncing. <laughs> Joke's on me, those racists. They literally still owe me $6,000 for my Are you commission. serious? Are you joking? S- Snapchat okay. needs to pay my friend Clark. If any of our 30 listeners are at all connected to Snapchat, <laughs> you need to pay our friend Clark. Hello, where's my money? Evan is literally wait, out that's here insane. talking about, like, uh, he wrote this, this LOL letter to everyone the week that George Floyd died about, like, how we stand with our black employees and he was like, uh, you know, talking about how we need reparations and how like billionaires should be taxed and should be funding reparations. And every, and also how he lived in the black dorm at Stanford and how he studied abroad at South Africa. Okay. <laughs> South Africa. Wait, who is this? The Snapchat guy? Evan Spiegel. Yeah. The CEO. I don't and know him. Everyone was like, huh? Like, what? Why are we talking about reparations? How about you just pay us yeah can you start with paying your employees the craziest just the regular amount let's start with that and then we'll look towards more that's insane that must be Um, infuriating truly what's also infuriating by the way i'm really like dropping bombs on this podcast here i love it that's what it's for but this i feel like will relate you guys will relate and it actually uh touches on one of the notes that i made that i wanted to make sure i brought up with you guys um, what was also infuriating was that I wrote a 3,500-word uh, piece about this right when the George Floyd stuff was happening, and I shopped it around to five outlets, of course, all white editors, mm-hmm. and they all passed, of course. Brave. Quite, you know? <laughs> Meanwhile, all of their homepages were like, we stand with black yeah, people, and like, yeah. hashtag amplify black voices. Beautiful graphic design, I'm sure. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Truly. Um, but the reason why I brought that up was because Pat, uh, on a previous episode, and this actually might have been Spawn, LOL, but y'all were talking about your writing practice. And I am curious... Do y'all? I've literally. I'm sorry. I've literally turned this into my podcast. But no, no. It's we are so happy it. to listen <laughs> and learn and relax. I'm like, oh my god, Do you're taking you're down. taking care of us. I'm trying. You're, Oprah, you're being Oprah towards you're us. You're being Oprah towards us. You're you're making it very easy. <laughs> Which honestly, if you watch an Oprah interview, she even when she's being interviewed, she's in control. Um, yeah, where mm. the interview is going. So. I'm kind of pulling, and again, yeah. I'm, I'm, um, and we're the opposite, and that even when we are interviewing, we're not in control. So it's kind of like we're, the, we're kind of the opposite of Oprah, if that makes sense. Uh, so, do y'all have a writing practice? Are yeah. y'all writing every day? Uh, you were saying you're taking some Skillshare class, some crazy like, oh yes, essay writing yeah. class. So this, um, this part of we, I have to be honest that we were sponsored Pat's by very- it. Pat's very good about routine and I'm chaotic. Right okay. now, I but it goes in such ebbs and flows. Yeah. Right now it's good, but it's been, you know, it's it's also so assignment based. Like mm-hmm. over the like um right, I had a, a draft that I had to write. So it was very easy to spend time on that. And it was something I'd never written like that form before. It was a feature length. So mm. I've never done that before. So it was a lot of like trying to figure it out. And mm-hmm. I think really like I've I've done 
um, the sculpture with Roxane Gay is very helpful, but like that's obviously geared towards essays. And, you know, I've done other little classes like that online and they are helpful, but ultimately I think it's just like everyone's practice is so designed for them. Like it's just what works for you. And like everyone's mm. brain is so different. And so I think like having to do this thing I've never done before and not really having a lot of direction or instruction has like forced me to be like, just figure out a way how to get a story onto pages. And, mm. and for me, like what's, so it's been like, what I've had to learn is like, I really rely on like, I can't start with an outline, which is counterintuitive, but like, I can't conceptualize something that just isn't even there yet. Like I just have to start with the beginning and just start writing um, towards a character, to- like characters towards like a story without knowing how long anything's going to be or worrying about page count or anything. And then like, once I start mm. to get a sense of like where I think it should go, then I like pull back and like outline a bit. And then I go back into a script and then, and then I'm like, well, now I'm, this part is blurry to me. So I have to go back out and like outline more and then go back. So for me, it's like always like back and forth between like zooming out and zooming in. Mm. Um, but that's because me personally, I can't see like ideas that aren't there yet. Like I have to just right. like, but some people are very good at that. So then they're really good at like outlining and then going to script from that. So I think it just depends. Right. What about you, Kat? I think our, my brain works in the opposite way of Pat. I'm like, I have to see big picture. I have to know exactly where I'm going and then I can make it fun. That's how I feel. I'm very outline. I'm like detailed outline. What are you, what are you working on right now? This is also part of the problem is that I'm a little I'm a little scattered. I mm-hmm. I am not a monogamous creative. I yeah. have a million <laughs> projects going at once. I'm very poly creative in that way. I guess um, our first poly gas groundbreaking. Yes, I'm a poly queen, <laughs> and I kind of think of it as uh, that's because I need time to sort of figure out what the what story I want to tell. I guess yeah, like. I have the first layer and then I think about I think about it as like a a baking analogy or like a, a cooking, even though I do neither. But the <laughs> idea that like the things take their time, you know, totally a, a, a three layer cake is going to take more time than again. Why would I choose a, a space that I know nothing about? But, <laughs> you know, and it's like my point just being if it isn't done, it isn't done and you can't yeah. rush it. It just it's going to take more time. And so. That's why I have a lot of things going at once. I have <clears throat> various scripted shows and features in various stages of development from like a kernel of an idea all the way to like me hounding people being like, hey, just following up for the 20th yeah. time based on that time you told me you loved my show and wanted to buy it but haven't responded yet. Like, yeah. yeah. Do you still love it and want to buy it? And also, like, could you do that soon? <laughs> and also, just hi in general. What's going on with you, bitch? Like, I, yeah, I think that's exactly validate me. And you're really <laughs> fucking with my daddy issues. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that is like important because it's also like, for instance, since I finished that little project, like, I haven't written since because like that's done. And but it's like, I think it's helpful to keep the wheels greased in terms of like if I'm not writing every day, then I'm writing no days. So like, whenever I right. have to start writing again, it will be a huge effort to like start whereas right if i could find yeah. something to work on in the meantime like some other project then it's much easier to always kind of be like in that rhythm than it right. is to go in and out of it and i have a right. rare disease where i have a, a newsletter that used to come out every monday and now it comes out every tuesday but usually it comes out on wednesdays and or thursdays <laughs> <laughs> but as long uh-huh. as something comes out yeah it's but i'm really glad i'm making myself at least try and send it once a week because it's just like that's a lot I never write unless someone says, can you write this essay, you know, then for next week. 
And then I love it. Then I'm like, I'm a grade A student. I love being told what to do. It's kinky. It's helpful. It's hot. It's now. I'm trying (laughs) the ultimate thing here, which is sort of like the underlining thesis of this question is that I am trying to shift my focus away from the outside in, which is partially L.A. It's partially the fact that, you know, every creative conversation starts with like, this show is really hot. What if you made that, uh, like a queer black version of that? Yeah. And you're like, I don't no. know what the queer black version of the West Wing is. You know, like I don't know why you <laughs> Until said Until now. Okay. Like, here's no. the pitch and you better buy it. Uh, it's I'm so trying frustrating. to shift more to like uh, do the project, you know, follow the creative thing. And if that becomes a novel, then it becomes a novel. If it becomes... Totally. Or even if it just becomes like a funny tweet, like maybe that's what it is. (laughs) But, you know, like trying not to think. And so I feel like so much of and this is who was I, but also a little bit of who am I and who I'm trying to transition out of. Mm -hmm. So much of my thought process about career and work was looking at other people and looking at um, careers that I admired or uh, mm-hmm. or work that I, I admired and being like, okay, so they had their sitcom and they had <laughs> their feature and then they had their book of essays and then they had their podcast. Yeah. And they had oh, their, yeah. You know, Even and hearing so think, you say that is like making me like literally have a panic attack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because like that's not a way to write, to live your life of like, okay, so what's my book going to be about? I know everyone who has the life I want to have has a book so what's my book mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know but a lot of times you see those people's books and they they reek of this thing of like this person did not want to write a book you know what yes, I mean yes yes <laughs> this person had a gun to their head and was told you need to write a book right now um, yes. because so, that's- well so many celebrities they have they think it's a joke throughout the whole book that they're like and I don't really want to be writing this and I'm not good at writing this and it's like please please God do not write it then because it's hell to read it yeah. really is well for me it's helpful too is like just reminding myself like like the only thing I am in control of is like sitting down in front of a computer or a notebook and like writing and I and I am not in control of like what comes out, the quality of it or like mm. what kind of writing it is, which is obviously really hard to manage when you're being paid to write a specific thing. But you just kind of have to let yourself like just sit down and and work and not worry about yeah. like what what and and the other side is the other that that other side of the industry of like a lot of reps and a lot of um development people don't always think that way so it's a lot of like make the queer black west wing yes yeah it's so outside in um yeah and so i will say who who will i be who would i like to be i do really feel like i am on an upswing right now i feel like i i i've said this a, a bunch of times um so forgive me if if people have heard me say this and I'm speaking mostly to the friends who I text aggressively and <laughs> mostly don't respond. Um, but every creative career is one that goes in a parabolic motion, right? We're always, there's our ups and there are downs. And oh. I feel like, and, and those are relative too, right? Like, Meryl's ups and downs are going to be different maybe than my ups and downs. For me, they're the same for me. Me and Meryl have the yeah. same and ups I and downs. And I love down. that for you. She keeps texting me and I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to respond to you if you keep texting me these long things. I'm like, girl, I'm on an up and you're on a down. I can't, I can't engage with you right now. It's going to fuck with me. It's going to fuck with me. So I feel like I'm on this upswing and I'm excited about what's going to happen. I feel like there is an eminent glow up waiting for me in these coming years and um, 
I think I will evolve into my final form, which is the one and only woman uh, that we've uh, mentioned a, m- a million times on this podcast, Miss Oprah. Is that is that kind of a, do you want, I mean, I'm sure, uh, your podcast I'm sure is incredible because you have such a way of talking oh, about like <laughs> things that it is Oprah adjacent, like I do feel taken care of, but um, I received wa- the compliment because I thought you were going to finish, uh, I thought you were going to stop at talking. You have such a way of talking. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but you you talk. Um, it was my your Beyonce thank you moment (laughs) Um, but um, do you want to be almost like do you want to be a um, hosting type person or an interviewer type person I want to not in a career sort of aspiration way I would say certainly like in this delusional world where I'm comparing myself to Oprah, um, which I would say is the delusion I exist in most times. Mm. uh, I think of myself as being a person who would want to do more acting than she does Mm -hmm. for sure. Like I'm, I'm, I am a performer first and foremost, and I'm actually directing, um, a short right now that I wrote. And it has been, well, the only reason I, thank you for saying it's cool. I don't, no, that it necessarily is. When I, someone says I direct, I'm like, how? How? I'm like, how? how? Right. No, and, I'm, I'm like, and also, I'm always like, what does that even mean? As someone who's literally been on set at least five times, I'm still like, what are they doing? Literally same. <laughs> literally same. And I and I have been having these experiences of like stepping into a leadership role, you know, stepping into uh, making these creative choices and and having to own them. And that feels really good. It feels really autonomous. It feels a lot less like waiting for someone to come give me something. And it's more like I'm creating and putting things out into the world. And so, uh, you know, in terms of the the comparison to Oprah, <laughs> I always say I'm I feel like I want to be asked to be president <laughs> of the United States, but I don't actually want to be the president <laughs> to be I invited think that to be might president. be the mm-hmm. best answer we've had on the show for who do you want to be i want to be asked to be president and i that's it and it's perfect no. <laughs> and i no. want to politely decline the presidency that's so funny but i want the vast majority of people to want me to accept right like you wouldn't like because it would be so humiliating to like choose to run for president oh, like is god. there anything more embarrassing oh, but they just kind of no, like seek no. you out and they're like we couldn't help but notice you have a way of talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, wait, what was I going to say? Do you care about marriage? Do you care about getting married? And do you want kids? I have also separated my desire for kids from my uh, desire yeah. to be married. Mm. I used to feel that, I, I mean, I would love to be married. And speaking to the questions of how many people have I dated and all that kind of stuff, I have unfortunately, which I think is connected to the fact that I came out so early, never had a serious adult relationship. I've had like a guy that I was sort of, I'm even nervous to describe how, what our relationship was because I think he probably listens to the pod. Oh my shout God. out, <laughs> shout out to your complicated relationship with Clark. I know, um, <laughs> sweet man. And I, and I did really like him a lot, but it was college and people didn't really date at Dartmouth. It was more like, yeah. Who are you hooking up with semi-exclusively, but also like, yeah, yeah. Um, it was yeah. like, who are you drunk and funny because I literally I, 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 didn't, I didn't have a relationship till I was thirty, and I credited that to coming out so late. Mm. Um, oh, but I think both of them are like probably like weird little. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's sort of you know the way I think about it is that in in those early days, like the the coming out experience is 
there are not the actual experience of coming out, but the process that happens afterwards is fairly similar regardless of when it happens. There's this feeling of like the euphoria of this is new and is this the kind of person that I am? Is that the kind of person? Um, And then you sort of settle into it and then at some point you kind of forget, you know, like (laughs) I I, I don't even really identify as gay anymore because I find myself, it's not that I don't identify as gay, it's just that I find myself saying queer more frequently to be more inclusive Mm. and I'm not thinking about my gayness because there's no one in my life reflecting it back to me, you know? So um, anyway, all that to say, like I went through that when I was young and I had all those moments when I was young and there was no one else sort of to have the like hot sex with when we're figuring it out together. And by now I'm like, I mean, we could do that or we could do nothing, you know? (laughs) Two amazing options. You know, one is better than the other. The nothing is the better option. So yeah, totally. I don't know. I mean, I want a boyfriend and I'm here on seek treatment. Okay, this is huge. Love. Seeking romance. Oh my god! I was going to say slide into Clark's DMs if you're liking what you're hearing. People need to be sliding in. But I think that's all. Whatever. Oh yeah. I think it's time for crush of the week. As crazy as that might sound. Yeah, I think it might be even time for that. Pat Clark, Sally, people crush the week. Yeah, Sally, you're in the mix here. You're in the game. You're fully in the mix. You're a part of our family, (laughs) Sally. You're part of the seek treatment family now. You know, this is so random, but only because I ended up talking about him today in a say it with me general meeting. And this is like an evergreen crush of the week, but it's like, why not like create it? It is the person who plays um, Avery Jackson on, yes, say it with me, Grey's Anatomy. Jesse Williams. Yes, Jesse Williams is my crush of the week. He's always been my crush of the week. I've never, I've never devoted an episode to it. And I have to finally come out and say that, yes, he is, wasn't always, will be my crush of every week. Can I say one good thing about Los Angeles is obviously celebrity spotting and i in 2015 was driving down driving east on melrose for any la la girls i was going through the like beverly groves turning into west hollywood space and as i pulled up to the light who was sitting in an audi with the top down audi a4 none other than jesse williams oh my god I literally almost got in a car accident because I was staring at him and he saw that I almost got in a car accident and he laughed at me. Not laughed at me, but like laughed at the situation. With you. He laughed with you. Yeah, you guys are really close friends. Probably we're married every second. Oh, yeah. And that doesn't mean you're not together, but it does mean you're married. I forgot. It's a sad sad marriage because he doesn't exist in my life, but it does exist. Yeah. Totally. Um, do you guys have crushes of the? This is going to be a little less sexy, but my crush of the week is this amazing dish I made with lentils. Okay, mm. shout out to Red Lentils. It was kind of like a doll situation. It's like some garlic and onions and like cumin and ginger, and it's like it's so good. I'm trying to cook for myself more. I'm trying to take care of myself. Mm. It's hard. I don't do that. Me neither, unfortunately. No, well, I did make myself I an just, undercooked. Like, after 
especially after uh, my my boyfriend turned to stay with me 30 last weekend and we had like this backyard little Woo! grill hang and i was just like shoveling hot dogs and packets mad because i'm too obsessed with hot dogs so you know i know that little... you're obsessed with hot dogs i get mad that you talk about hot dogs too much okay How well many i just did it again do you eat in a year cat I mean, more than government probably wants. I was going to say, my I was told four should be our max a year. Really? That is, who says who? I mean, I, I you're right. I, the that CDC says that. I don't have a, a source to cite. I Forgive oh. me for spreading misinformation. Some Hollywood exec wants me to have no more than four hot dogs a year. Well, they don't know Some what I'm made of. Some asshole yeah, by the water Some cooler. fucking seven foot tall. <laughs> yeah. um, um, Clark, do you have a crush of the? Who is my crush of the week? Um, I just had one, and oh, uh, my crush of the week is actually Tracy Ellis Ross, because I just got a text message just before signing on here that Pattern Beauty, her company, has the styling cream that I need back in stock. Oh. So I am grateful to Tracy. She has the most fantastic wardrobe. Everything she wears, I'm like, that is exactly what I would dream of wearing. Like, it's mm. so... It's, everything is a statement piece. That's my dream in my, my mm-hmm. wardrobe. I love her. Um, okay, cool. Uh, do you guys feel hot today? I feel no. hot. I feel kind of hot. You look gorgeous. Thank you. Lauren. Um, And are you mad at me? Clark, are you mad at me? I couldn't possibly be. Oh, my God. Thank God up in heaven. Um... <laughs> Catherine, are you mad at me? No, I, I, I'm. Are you mad at me because you're in a different room than usual? No. Oh no, that's just because Angela's in Rhode Island, so I can do whatever oh, I want. Fuck yeah. Um, the feeling. Wait, Clark, are you mad at me? I'm not mad at you. Just even though I want to eat more than four hot dogs a year. In fact, I ate four on Saturday. <laughs> no, I'm not mad at you. I'm, I'm worried for you. <laughs> oh, I'm deeply that's concerned. Perfect. The perfect answer. <laughs> Sally, <laughs> Sally, how do you feel towards Sally, me right now? Come on. Mad or God? I feel glad. I oh, don't lie. <laughs> Wait, I'm curious. Okay, Clark, tell our listeners how they can find you, mm-hmm. how they can listen to the pod. Give us all the deets. Give us all the goods. I'm at Mr. Clark Moore everywhere. Um, and I, where's my podcast? On all the platforms. What do they say? Wherever you I get don't know. your podcast. Like, we're just like, go, we're like, go look for them. That one. Yeah. Wait, I have to ask again. I'm sorry. Can you say the name of it one more time? Soul Bomb by Clark Moore. Soul Bomb. Soul cool. Bomb by Clark Moore, produced by mm-hmm. intern Sally. Mm-hmm. And my and fantastic Simone. producer, Simone Spira. Great Amazing. memory. Yes, Kat. Well, it's when someone's name is Fab. It's right? six. I've always Wait, wanted to be called Simone. Because Sim- Simone's having a moment right now, the name Simone. Clark, you Why? watch um, Drag Race. There's a really good drag oh. queen on Drag Race called I'm behind. Um, Simone. And she's I don't. Um, absolutely slaying the game. Mm, yeah, I'm unfortunately not a Drag Race queen. But I do have one I question. I used to be Wait. that. I want Wait. credit for having. I want credit for using to have not watched Drag Race. Yeah, I'm with you here. What happened? <laughs> what was sense. the conversion? Um, it just was pandemic, and my boyfriend does drag, and I just kind of watched. Oh, that's it, a good reason. I, yeah, then I liked it, so that's where I am right. now emotionally. What was right. your question? Oh. My question is: there is a line, there is a word in the Seek Treatment podcast theme song. That I can uh-huh. never figure out. You wished is- for a sign from above. Uh-huh. It's Hey bitch, um, what is your deal? Tell yeah. us how you feel. Uh-huh. You wish for a sign from above. 
there's a podcast about boys dating and, dating and love seek treatment. treatment if you're boring as you're fuck boring seek as treatment fuck. if, if you... you're unlucky in love unlucky in love seek treatment if you just can't take a hint take I a think. hint okay seek it was treatment. unlucky that was the word unlucky in love um, I was thinking it was like if you're a if you're a I thought it was three syllables if you're a duckada in love and that works too of, what's Remix. the duckada? Yeah. Unlucky in love. Um, wait, I'm sad that I have to go because we could talk for hours. But Clark, we'll have to have you on IRL. Yes, yes. Oh, I would love to come back. Please have me back. Okay. Thank I you know. so much for doing this. And thank, thank you for you. having me. It was so that- fun. And everyone go listen to Soul Bomb. And thank you to Sally. And live, laugh, love. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.